This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at cyphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at cyphercast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I am Darcy, and I will be your guide along the path of suns. Today we sing one spell. With transmissions from the Invisible Sun, we talk to people from Monty Cook Games about topics related to Invisible Sun. Join us on the path of suns, and we may uncover a secret or two. Today we have the honor of hosting Darcy Ross from Monty Cook Games on Incantations. She is here to tell us about her currently running Kickstarter to support an an upcoming Invisible Sun actual play, uh, which she is doing with the uh, fine folks over at the One Shot RPG Network. Um, So Darcy, um, why don't we just throw this over to you and you can uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, tell us uh, about your involvement with Invisible Sun, and... I don't know, give us a little overview of what's going on with this Kickstarter. Um, and yeah. also, hey, Troy, if you're listening, haha, I have your uh, co-host on our show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and I was supposed to record today with him, and I pushed that uh, to tomorrow. So you've especially um, mm. thwarted him. <laughs> oh, sorry, Troy. I'm sorry, definitely Troy. not going to rub this into, you, uh, into your face tonight. <laughs> Excellent. So I'm Darcy Ross. Uh, I have been a big fan of Monte Cook Games stuff for a long time. And now uh, I recently got hired by them as their community relations coordinator, which has been super fun. Uh, so it's been really interesting to uh, to have that transition going on. And uh, and also this project, uh, this Invisible Sun actual play project was actually in the works long before I ever got hired. So um I live in Chicago and I, I've been a graduate student, so I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> so when Invisible Sun was coming out, I was like, okay, uh, I can't pay for this all myself. So I need to like get a group together, which is exactly what Invisible Sun uh, you know, is kind of set up to do uh, with all the pre-orders and everything. So I was going around figuring out who I could ask to chip in. And I was going to do it with um, Mika Tally, who uh, is a lovely super fan of Invisible Sun as well. And uh, it occurred to me that, you know, James is all uh, James D'Amato of the One Shot podcast is just really digs kind of weird secrets and like luscious settings. And I, I thought he might really dig Invisible Sun. So I reached out to see if he would want to play in a game of mine. And he comes back and is like, Darcy, I'll do you one better. If you run something for the One Shot podcast uh, and our Twitch stream, uh, we'll, we'll buy you a black cube. So <clears throat> I was... Yeah. <laughs> so when you said this was in the works before you were with Monty Cook, it was you were putting it in the works. Yeah, exactly. It was uh-huh. MCG was uh, not a part of it until until I got hired. And then I was like, OK, uh, so what's happening? <laughs> so, cool. yeah, it's 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 fun to, um, you know, I'm going to be doing a lot of fun Twitch things with Monty Cook Games. But this project, uh, which is called A Woman with Hollow Eyes, is gets to be my baby. So uh, Monty Cook Games has, you know, sort of given us the the blessing that we've mostly always had, right? Which is that running an actual play of their stuff is things they like fans to do. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, th- but they're not really involved. So this, that that's also a good thing because I love the One Shot crew, but they are a bunch of 
zany improvisers. And even though this is going to be a more dramatic actual play, it, it probably means it's not going to quite be <laughs> exactly how Monty Cook Games would run their actual play, which is good, right? We can have different people doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, when I when I first saw that, it was uh, you and the One Shot crew putting this together. Uh, my first thought was like, oh man, I listened to Campaign and I've listened to some of their... Uh, one shots and that's going to be a really interesting uh, mix of uh, I guess personalities and humor into a, a game that has really seemed to be you know fairly serious a- in tone and setting right. um, but yeah but then I listened to uh, the hmm, first session and the uh, development mode episode you guys did yeah and it wasn't like super funny you know they they definitely have the chops to do something that's very dramatic and you know serious and entertaining absolutely the the cast is is a really great one so it's really fun that james damato is going to be a player because i think you know he was who i always had in mind as would really like this kind of game but then we also have cat cool who is the gm for the campaign podcast and so she's just an incredible storyteller who i've always uh, adored her her style and her chops. And so I know both of them can really um, bring the dramatic and the seriousness and digging into secrets and um, intrigue. Uh, and then Alan Linick was the, the sort of dark horse for me. Uh, James D'Amato had recommended him and he runs a podcast called, I'm gonna, totally going to forget TLDM. it. TLDM. Thank you. Um, but I had never met him, but uh, you know, basically seeing how he took to the first session. And I, I think he's been just, you know, gobbling up all sorts of Invisible Sun information since it launched. So he's another mm-hmm. a, like perfect fit. And he actually did a, a really cool audio diary of his character already. And it's just, it's making me so excited to get these people at the table playing. They, um, I think they're really nailing a great tone for Invisible Sun. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really excited. <laughs> I, yeah. Listening to that first development mode, like Alan's stuff was I think right in line with exactly. what what you're expecting from Invisible Sun because he does that weird, gross, creepy ritual. Yeah, uh, and yeah, when that happened, I said, you know, yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm backing this. It's going to be fun to listen to. <laughs> Thank you. That's really good to hear. Um, so why don't we talk about uh, like where's the Kickstarter at? Uh, mm-hmm. What are your next goals? Uh, when does it wrap up? Um, and see what else we can pull out of there. <laughs> so um, how are things going with the Kickstarter right now? Uh, they're going pretty well. So it, it has funded, which is fabulous. Um, so uh, mm-hmm. what, we're, what we're asking for for funding is money to pay the performers and the people who sort of technically make it happen too, right? So people to help run the Twitch stream and uh, things like that. And then our stretch goals uh, were things for like character art, which we have funded, which is really, really great. So, you know, Invisible Sun's art is such an, you know, it's such a great way to communicate like surreal settings. And so I think having character art will really um, make it more real in the audience's eyes too for, for the story. And I think it's a great way to kind of engage with, the weird surreal surreal surreality of it. Goodness. Um, mm-hmm. So our next big stretch goal bump is going to be um, uh, increasing the amount we are able to pay for performers and uh, the people helping us make the show, which is really great. Um, and that's at thirteen thousand. So we're at eight thousand six hundred right now. Um, so I'm not sure if we'll hit it, but we've got six more days, and it's the end of a Kickstarter, so it's certainly possible. Um, and things we'd like yeah, to that'd do. Yeah, be really great. Yeah, I think so. I, 
the one shot podcast has a really cool, I, I like how they really value, um, paying people for their time. You know, this is an industry that's very like, you know, the hobby, you know, these are all passion projects. Right. But, um, mm-hmm. I know James really wants to like crush the starving artist stereotype. So, uh, I think that's a really worthy goal. So we've got six days left as of this recording. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once once the Kickstarter wraps up, when does all this start going into you know real production? And when do you start? Because you're going to be doing this on Twitch, right? Right. Yeah. So um, the the other things we'd we'd like to do as as we get near the end is uh, sort of in making better sets. Um, and and one more thing is turning a, a nice edited podcast version of the Twitch stream. Um, so we'll see if you know e- editing, as I'm sure both of you know, takes time and effort. And that's a thing we would like to pay someone to do. So we'll see if we get there. But um, no matter what form it shakes out in, what, what we know is going to happen now that it's funded is that starting in January, we will be having like a weekly broadcast on Twitch. Um, it will it won't be held behind any paywalls, so anyone can come watch it for free. It will be held on OneShot's uh, YouTube channel afterwards. Um, but I think we're going to have some really neat ways for the audience to interact live on Twitch. So we're hoping to. Uh, I think it'll be worth tuning in live if you can. Um, and then we'll also have development mode sessions. So we may have some of those like over. You know, they may be over emails, and maybe we post those. We may have a couple that are um, kind of tagged onto the end of regular recording sessions, or we may have separate recording sessions. But I think we're going to explore all the different cool ways that development mode can happen. So I think that'll be really, really fun to see. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the live interaction with uh, your with the chat on Twitch, they're going to be able to do things to impact what's happening in the story. Yeah, um, and. And so the the specifics of that we're still workshopping, of course, because mm-hmm. you don't want, you know, if you're going for a zany tone, you can have kind of whatever kind of audience interaction, and you can make it work. And I, yep. that could we could totally make that work for Invisible Sun, but I don't think, you know, I think we'd want we're trying to tune it so that the kinds of interaction that audience members have. Um, already fits well to make sure that we we don't have to go away from our dramatic tone to fit it in. So mm-hmm. we're curious about that. But um, the like backer levels for the Kickstarter, if you want to uh, support at higher levels, so there's sort of the basic one that's like ten bucks, and you get this big PDF of all of these cool crowdsourced ideas that we came up together up with together, and details about the setting that um, the that our group will be doing together. So that that's sort mm-hmm. of like the the basic level. But um, people who want to help support the show more, uh, we're giving them more narrative control. Um, so things are, like this are like creating angels or demons for our get goetic to interact with, um, creating ephemera, um, which will appear in the show, uh, creating a cool ritual, which might happen with the PCs, or it might be something happening in the background and affecting the PCs. Um, and then we've got a couple that are like being a, a master of one of the, you know, a, a warden of one of the sons. And so that means like, basically, I'm, I'm really excited because all of these pledge levels are me getting to help like collaboratively collaboratively build something with uh, fans, which is exactly how I like to GM anyway. So um, not only will we have the audience watching live interaction, but we'll also have uh, really cool ahead of time input from from fans. So if any of you are interested in helping shape my game, I would really like to to get your input. Uh, you also have a pledge level that um, you get to do development mode yes. along with uh, the... 
whoever is pledging it is going to work on a development mode session with you. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. So the development mode session will have, um, you know, usually a development mode session should just have one turn of the Sooth deck, you know, card, right? So you, you set up yep. a kind of small uh, scenario. And then when it comes time to see how how that endeavor went, you draw one card. So my hope is that we'll, we'll kind of set up the scenario ahead of time or um, whether that's brought from the player or whether that's something that I and the backer kind of come up with as something that like they have to deal with in development mode. Um, and mm-hmm. we'll draw the card and then I will like uh, go have a conversation and sort of hash out what we think that card means for the setup. And then we'll role play it out um, sort of with the, with the live with the camera or possibly via text. You know, I think I'm going to work with mm-hmm. the different backers to see what method they're most interested in because there's just so many ways to do development mode, um, which I'm really excited by. I, if you've seen the development mode session with James, um, you know, I think Alan's development mode session for his character was like straight up perfect invisible sun. And James was really weird because he wanted to role play out how he escaped shadow. Um, mm-hmm. And I think development mode is not really built for that, but uh, but it totally works. Right. It just meant there were a lot of little scenes because we sort of played through the day. So um, and that just made me realize that how flexible um, development mode is. So I'm really excited to have more people help me out with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I did watch the uh, the whole thing. And uh, it, it was funny that you say development mode is, you know, you flip one card and you have this short little scene right. for development mode. And then <laughs> you and James flipped like five or six cards. Oh, and, yeah. There was a ton. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a ton. But I mean, it, I thought it worked really well. And I can totally see that as a development mode session because I've always looked at development mode as sort of just a, a, you know, codifying this thing that a lot of role players have done before where, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm just hanging out with the GM and we're talking about my character and something that I think may have happened, you know, in my character's past and like, Hey, this is kind of why I, my character thinks this way about something. Oh man. Yeah. So I, I think that totally works. I think you're totally right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, it makes me really nervous to be running development mode on Twitch already because, you know, I'm not, I'm not the expert at the game yet, right? And I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see other people running Invisible Sun so I can see how they're interpreting the cards and sort of, um, you know, the, the, the Invisible Sun books, which I have gotten to read, are, have a lot of advice, but it's still different to see someone do it in, in play. So I, mm-hmm. did you say that, um, Either of the two of you were going to do any actual play for Invisible Sun? Um, we have recorded a handful of development mode oh, sessions. Cool. And, Great. Uh, I think we've got three or four up on our on our podcast at this point. Oh, my gosh. I need to go check those out. Thank you. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, knew, no I knew you had a project in the works, but I didn't realize it was already up. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. So you can hear us sort of stumbling through like, mm, how do we want to do this? Like, when do we want to pull a card? Uh, what do we want to pull from the card to interpret? Uh, and what do we want to do with it here? Mm-hmm. So, you know, seeing uh, you run it for Alan and James, uh, I thought was really useful because it's like, yeah, you could really kind of do whatever you want um, mm-hmm. and just open it up and make it a little more freeform. Yeah. I'd be curious to know what the two of you think about, um, you know, the, the first session was really interesting, right? Because I think you set up the kind of, you know, the specific details of the setting that you and all the characters want to live in. Right. And I feel like Mm -hmm. 
the, the James and Kat and Alan were really leaning into these, setting up these like very sweet, small stories of NPCs who live in this world and lots of like kind of bittersweet emotions, um, which I was not exactly expecting. And I, and I really found I loved though. There's like, there's a little less darkness in their world. Like there's still darkness, but there's lots of just very human problems going on. And I, I really liked how they set up so many just beautiful little bittersweet stories in this surreal setting. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how you bring the playground into the game. Right. Because that was one of the really interesting spots that I thought would be Ugh. not like, I mean, it just felt like a very different take for a setting from all the other stuff that they that I've listened to from them. Mm. Yeah, definitely. They can do a very serious and heartfelt scene in one of their more humorous shows. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it'll be interesting to see them take a, a much more dramatic scene in this game. Definitely. Oh, I had a couple of questions about when the actual play starts yeah. up. Um, so there's going to be development mode. You're going to be running the game. Are you going to be getting into the mechanics of Invisible Sun? Like when you're putting together skill checks and casting spells, is there going to be sort of a, mm, a lecture? Not a lecture, but are you going to discuss like, here's how this is getting put together and this is why we're rolling these dice? Gosh, that's a good question. I... I think we I think we will ha- be doing that to some extent um partially because nobody will have the game uh yet right so when this starts the first right. week of January um backers will be getting mm-hmm. their uh black cubes in uh February so I think it behooves us to to be a little educational about it and also you know for our players right and um one of the stretch goals we did hit on the way um right after we funded was was a little bit of money to pay for bringing on guests. And so we'll especially it'll be really fun to bring on guests and and those people will also have to um you know be educated about how to play the game. So and also just because the black cube is so uh tactile, I think you know there there are all these cards you're laying down like I don't think I, I think it it lends itself to to being clear about what you're putting together, right? Because you have cards that you're laying down, you have tokens, so um, I don't think it will require too much um, like verbal explanation and abstraction, right? Because we could just point to like mm-hmm. this is what these tokens mean that they're they're putting down this die, which is the magic die, so that means they're using magic to affect this roll, right? So yeah. I think yeah, I think you're right. I wonder, you know, I wonder if like it's worth we'll have to. We'll have to see how it goes, but I wonder if it's worth having like a kind of crash course, how do Invisible Sun recorded separately before the beginning of play? Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. So I think, you know, as we sit down with the rules and maybe practice like a couple general roles before we go live, um, we may figure that out. Yeah. Do you have any advice or opinions on that? Uh, I guess the only opinion I have is uh, for anybody who's listening that wants to know more about how the game works tune into the Twitch stream when it starts up because, hey, they're going to they're gonna be using the rules. <laughs> Theoretically. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, no, I don't really have any advice because uh, the one thing that Scott and I have been skating around for a while now is we can't talk about certain things right. because it's covered under the NDA. Right. But, hey, you work for Monaco Games, so 
I guess uh, you get an exemption. It's true. Uh, that That is part of our blessing is we get to start a little bit before um, the, the black cubes are in everybody's hands. So theoretically, as soon as we start cool. talking about stuff, you'll be able to talk about that we talked about stuff. So <laughs> we will slowly be spilling some beans. <laughs> but awesome. I think as you probably know, like there's so much to Invisible Sun that our show will not be spoiling even a fraction mm-hmm. of what's in those beautiful books. So, yeah. Um, Scott, do you have any uh, questions that you wanted to, to bring up when we were talking about the Kickstarter? I look forward to seeing how you present the rules uh, in the Twitch stream, but I find the game to be potentially quite user friendly. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you can play right through the rules and it'll, it, it uh, in part because you can scale up how detailed you want to get in implementing the rules and you could even change that over, over time. Um, but I, I think it'll it'll work really well as an actual play uh, game. Not all RPGs work well in that format, but this is a game with the flexibility not just of develop mode, but of the of the base rules that I, th- I think will will uh, make for good Twitch streams. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, even in, you know the magic systems too, right? And and all these little there are so many little subsystems you could engage with or not as as you as as the player like is interested, right? So. You know, like you could really get into collecting things for a ritual or you could get really into, uh, you know, spending secrets and getting, um, you know, like accumulating secrets and using those or, um, yeah, or or like uh, acquiring ephemera and using those or acquiring different kinds of spells, right? Uh, And so I think the fact that the players can tune it to what they're interested in too means they get to engage with the stuff that makes them happiest, which is really fun to watch, right? So yeah, I, I think you're right that the the different scales that you can dive as deep or as shallow into as you want, it will really help that. And that'll work great for guests too, right? So I'm so excited to bring on some like shadow characters, um, you know, which are which are much simplified versions of the character sheets, right? You don't have to, you you really uh, have a simplified like grab this sheet, talk, tell tell us who you are and go. So that'll be really really fun to see. <laughs> Yeah, my playtest group at times has dis- or we've experimented with, and at times have talked about making more permanent. Uh, just playing in a, a slightly extended version of development mode all of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, we aren't ready to make that jump just yet, but depending upon the subset of players that are available for a given session, yeah. uh, or what our objectives are in a particular uh, uh, series of encounters, uh, we sometimes have scaled back to pretty much just playing development mode during the part of our normal session time. Uh, And it it has worked well to sort of scale up and scale back the complexity of what we're doing, depending upon what we're interested in at the time, the nature of the encounter, player interests, all of that. And the system's held up really well. It's really like freeing, I found, development mode. I was worried how I was going to feel when I was running it. Um, And I'm really excited to try, you know, when I ran it um, for James and Alan, (laughs) you know, they're they're really interesting because they're improvisers, so they just they want to fill, you know, they want to lean into those scenes as much as possible, right? <laughs> so um, I think they went out longer than they might have for people who are not uh, are not leaning into that improviser style. But like, you know, we were playing James's Escape from Shadow uh, session. And Alan would just chime in as whatever NPC I kind of brought into the game. And luckily, he's got a great sense of the game, so that totally worked. But uh, 
yeah, I'm really excited to try development mode sessions that are really with more than one PC. So, how are you preparing for this, and how is has your preparation differed from how you've historically prepared for other campaigns and other games? Oh gosh, that's such a good question. Um, <clears throat> especially with because I ran the the Numenera games for one shot folks, I I got a little bit of a taste of what like how much. Um, <laughs> how much scaffold I really need to bring to the table knowing that they are going to be giving me as much narrative input as as I'm putting out, right? So I've learned to like leave a lot of spaces. And I, I actually think that their improviser style is something that works great with Invisible Sun because Invisible Sun asks your char- your player characters to to bring stuff to the table, right? Like decide a, an arc that you're, you're pursuing. Um, talk, you know, it asks the players to tell the GM what they're interested in exploring. So in that way, I think it works really well. Um, but one thing, you know, I really wasn't sure how to prepare for these earliest sessions because, you know, it's just so early. And we were doing a development mode session before we had a real play session, which is a little unusual. Um, so, you know, there weren't exactly like, threads from play that we had left hanging and wanted to go dive into. We just had the first session general uh, information to go off of. So what I did was I just, you know, emailed the the players with some ideas about, hey, it's, you know, James, it sounded like you really, really wanted to explore <laughs> how you got out of shadow that that we could make that work with development mode. Right. And so, um, yeah. And with with Alan, I I didn't have anything going in. I just Luckily, I I came I came to the table with literally nothing. So, uh, I that was just beautiful and worked great. Um, you know, I think I I had the the book handy, and so I before right before we started recording or as we recorded, like, you know, he was he said he was really interested in like dreams and and trying to find his lost memories, his character's lost memories, and so I you know. I was like, oh, well, that's a very blue thing, right? That's a very blue sun. And so I found some organization related to the blue sun in Saturine and was like, you could go research there, right? And that's that's like classic development mode session stuff. So e- even at the table, I was able to flip to a little section of a nugget of something that I could jump off of. And and what's interesting is like uh, this this little nugget that I jumped off of doesn't have a lot of description, so I I didn't I felt really comfortable diving in and uh, building that building this location that we went to and knowing that like I wasn't going to contradict something in the book. So I like I again this this book and this game is really set up to explore at the table and make it your own, which I really dig and works well for my prep style or lack thereof and the improviser's play style. <laughs> Um, that, that reminds me of something that I've been thinking about off and on about Invisible Sun for a while, which is like changing up my GMing style and then also, you know, trying to change up how the players are playing a game. Because um, I come from a very traditional, um, you know, RPG background. Like I did Dungeons and Dragons right. when I was, you know, I think, you know, a baby. And I've basically <laughs> done you know, RPGs forever where I'm coming up with the ideas and I'm, you know, handing them to the players and I'm giving them answers to all of their questions. But right. Yeah. And looking at Invisible Sun, it's like, I'm going to come up with ideas, but so are they. 
and I don't want to have all the answers and I want them to be able to provide answers for me. So like, how do you think you would go about adapting to that sort of style? Um, and that's been something I've been trying to tackle for the past year or so. Yeah. Um, I think it's, here, here's my idea. I don't know if it's the right one, but here's, here's what I'm going in with. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of on the GM side, I think it just reverses the balance of where prep should be for me. And I don't know how good I'm going to be at this, but right. So I think instead of prepping a lot before a session to, to give, to have hooks and answers to questions at that session, I think it's going to be really weird exploratory play. And we're going to be, you know, people are going to be digging for secrets and, and unearthing strange mysteries that I probably don't have the answers to yet, but what happens in play, I think I will probably go back and like reflect on that session Mm -hmm. and think about sort of almost reverse engineering or like digging into the threads that we're opening after the fact, right? So I think my prep is going to happen a lot after a session of like, okay, the people talk to this NPC that we came up with on the fly. Um, They were behaving really strangely when the players asked this question um, what can I tie, like, you know, I may not have decided at the table, like, wh- what faction they're associated with, and that's why they were, you know, behaving b- oddly. So I might spend time after the fact, like, looking in the book and um, trying to find a cool hook for for what their secret they're hiding is. So I I feel like that's how I may handle it. That Some GMs may not dig that because it's so reverse engineering, um, but I think it'll work well for me because it just lets me be really, really open to anything at the table ahead of time and creates a lot of work for me after, but I think that'll work really well. We'll see. (laughs) Um, But another question you, the other side of it is like on the, on the player end too, right? So, you know, James and improvisers, like they are just waiting for the moment that the GM stops talking so that they can go to town Mm -hmm. um, and, and start storytelling. But not you know, not every player is steeped in that tradition and has that muscle really, you know, honed, right? So I'm really curious how I'll have to change my jamming style to like make players feel comfortable, like t- taking the reins a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm not quite sure how to do that. I think, you know, ha- some prep I'll be doing beforehand for other players might be leading questions of like, things I think their character might want to do or or exploring, hey, how does your character feel about this weird thing that happened before? Do we want to follow up on that? Does it lead you to want to do something next? You know, the them choosing a, a mechanically choosing a character arc will certainly help, right? Mm-hmm. That they they know their character wants to do a thing. So they can look at their character sheet and say, oh, I'm trying to solve a mystery or whatever. Uh, I guess I should do something like that. But But I think it'll still require players to to learn how to take the reins more. Um, and I'm not sure I'm, I know how to train people to do that great yet. <laughs> I suspect that'll be a topic that we talk about quite a bit over the next uh, several months, or especially once the game gets, gets rolling. Uh, it's that th- I've had the same experience. Uh, people yeah. with traditional RPG backgrounds, extensive traditional RPG backgrounds, but still being hesitant to be able to be willing to just make stuff up within the setting because there's these unwritten rules, a lot of RPGs that, Oh, that's what, that's the DM's job. And and you you only control your own PC. Uh, Instead, this game really sings 
when they can say, oh, well, it's a good thing that I visited the Tower of Bloody Blah uh, and, you know, asterisk development mode later. Totally. That, and, and so you can actually create within uh, the characters, the players can create within the setting, but it's daunting. Um, and right. it will take some getting used to, but it's so rewarding when it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I think one part of that will probably be making the players feel really comfortable in the setting. And that was something I really worried about just because it is such a different setting. Um, but uh, I think I've totally, having run the the first session, <laughs> run like, like I did anything, having facilitated the first session, um, which is which was so fun. I I really feel that that I'm I'm not really worried almost at all about people getting comfortable with the setting now because I think the first session makes it real and tangible and sheds light on the the bits of this huge surreal world that the players care about to start with. And man, do I think that ever um, helps people get the tone of the game that that we're wanting to achieve, and also just makes them feel like their characters already have lives that they can now guide as opposed to having co- coming up with stuff like, you know, from, from whole cloth. Right. Uh, which is something that I want to, I wish I could bring that same effect into like D and D games too. Right. Cause as a player, I'm always feeling, I hate starting new games with a new character cause they just, they don't feel quite lived in yet. And I don't know where they're going to go. And they just feel kind of flat until I have enough time to figure out the world they're living in and what kind of person they are. So I want a first session for every game now. <laughs> yeah, I do the same thing with my characters. It's like in the first session, I'm like, I don't know what my character's like. So just bear with me. Right. And after a couple yeah. of sessions, it's like, oh, okay. Uh, my character's a jerk again. So sorry. Right, right. I have to retcon things. <laughs> yeah, my groups had done session zero st- sort of activities for just about every game. And I think the technology from... Invisible Sun is, is good for that uh, and is yeah. likely something one can transport over to just about any other system since it's it doesn't really hook into the mechanics of the game. It just right. provides you an architecture to start a discussion of how players come together. Uh, the, the challenge for me has been it is so player directed yeah. that the character generation defines the campaign. Uh, and so if you have this grand narrative you bring to the campaign, <laughs> uh, good, good luck with that because your players may want to go uh, become, you know, big game wardens in the blue sun <laughs> right. and not have, and, and have nothing to do with your, you know, storming the, 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 the red sun uh, citadel campaign. Right. Uh, until you tie, you know, their arcs, they need something that's behind that, you know, to to achieve their goals, you put you place the stuff they need where you want them to go. So, but then they may just decide exactly. they don't need that so bad. <laughs> they can still thwart you, and that's okay. Right, it's a new type of balancing. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm excited to see the the uh, directed campaign too, which which will be. Uh, I think that will be. You know that won't be out in time for it to affect uh, a woman with hollow eyes, which which is fine. Um, but uh, man, I'm, I'm really excited to see what kind of content comes out for that. Uh, and I imagine it's got to be being designed in a way that that makes sure it, it deals with the problem we're talking about right now, which is like, how do you get your players to engage with the thing, right? So I, I bet it's got lots of ways to hook players in or, you know, there's maybe a letter that is specifically addressed to a player that sort of introduced, you know, it, it pings, pings that player and says, hey, engage with this if you want, right? So 
I, but I have no intel on that. <laughs> Maybe that can be part of uh, the woman with hollow eyes season two. I would love that. Uh, I, 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 I think it's going to be a really good show. So I hope people, um, I think we would, you know, I think 10 episodes is feeling like not that many, even with development mode sessions, mm-hmm. just because of how, how, this big, beautiful world we've created together. And, you know, there's only so much we can explore in a season. So that I would think we would, I think we're already super invested and would love to have a second season. <laughs> so Darcy, um, I forgot to do this with our next guests, but where can people find you? <laughs> what, what are you working on? Uh, where should people go to, uh, you know, see what's going on with Darcy? That was very surreal of you. I forgot to do this with our next guest. Um, yeah, gosh. So uh, what's going on with Darcy? So I uh, have, goodness, I have been, what have I been doing? Uh, I've been traveling a lot lately, which has been great. A lot for, um, I had done a lot of snail research this summer. And then I uh, did a number of cons and other kinds of gaming events for Monte Cook Games, which is really great. And I went to the um, Monte Cook Games annual summit and kind of uh, am really feeling at home within the company. So that's really lovely. Um, but yeah, I, I'm still recording Cypher Speak, and that's been really fun. Uh, one thing I've really been enjoying is the Cypher Unlimited Discord server. Uh, has uh, just really cool conversations about all things Monte Cook Games all the time. And it's, you know, it's all fan run. And so um, seeing people react to Cypherspeak episodes on the Cypherspeak channel there has been really rewarding. And um, so I don't know that, do you guys have an Incantations channel there yet? Because you should. Uh, No, I actually have not hopped into Discord yet. Oh, you'll love it. So highly recommended that to to you and all your fans. Um, other things going on, I'm just uh, living in Chicago and uh, playing games and living with my cats. It's lovely. So <laughs> I'm really enjoying uh, settling down a little bit after the madness of science and uh, Numenera 2 Kickstarter, which was great. Um, yeah, and I'm really loving the Twitch medium. So I'm hoping uh, to do to get to do more with that, you know. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. <laughs> That's what's been going on with me. I've been... Uh, uh, and then uh, Twitter handles, uh, you said the Twitch stream, like, have you got other projects that people should check out? Uh, where do they uh, find good you? question. Where do people find me? People find me at Darcy L. Ross at most places. So D-A-R-C-Y-L-R-O-S-S. So that's on Twitter and G+, things like that. Um, I've been on a little bit of a hiatus, but I'm going to go back to writing for Gnome Stew, which is really a lovely blog um, that has lots of smart, lovely people uh, writing about cool things in role-playing games. So definitely check that out, even though um, I don't have anything on it lately. (laughs) Um, I've been, yeah, and I've also been just too chaotic to work too much with Contessa, but I've really loved what they did this year. Uh, This is an organization that um, promotes and supports, um, used to be women in gaming, and now it's sort of any kind of uh, person from a marginalized group. It's just sort of, you know, uh, trying to make people feel at home um, in the tabletop role-playing games hobby. So that's really lovely. Um, And yeah, I'm Twitch streaming a bit for the OneShot crew, and I think Montica Games... Uh, wants to continue doing uh, experiments with Twitch and live uh, content um, on their own Twitch channel. So definitely go follow uh, Monty Cook Games. 
twitch.tv slash Monty Cook Games, probably. <laughs> yeah, no, we, yep. can, we can find the uh, link for it in the show notes. Absolutely. So uh, that's those are my current projects, I think. I probably um, have more that I'm forgetting. Yeah, there, there, I think there's one more that's kind of important. I can't uh, remember. A woman with it. hollow eyes? Uh, I mean, there's that. Um, uh, there's some guy what I know I that you, you have a show with him. Oh, no. We, you know, we're... Uh... <laughs> We're uh, I haven't told him yet, but I'm quitting. Oh, um, sorry, Troy. <laughs> yeah, so you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I am still podcasting with Cipher Speak, which has been super fun. So these are all things Cipher, um, and a little bit of Invisible Sun as well. Uh, but but mostly we focus on Cipher System. Um, so yeah, we're we're hoping to release uh and record an unmasked episode soon because there's still so much going on with Numenera and all the Cipher System stuff. So please come check us out. Um, you can find us at Cipherspeak, uh, cipherspeak.com. That's correct. Yes. Yep. Um, and of course, there's only six more days for uh, at the time of this recording for a woman with hollow eyes. So if weird, surreal fantasy, dramatic storytelling uh, with really lovely storytellers is is your jam, we would love it if you would come help support us so we can uh, pay performers and maybe get a set that would be really cool and make it look very nice uh, as a production. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, so that wraps up on December 12th, I believe. So six days from this recording, but December 12th, because uh, you're going to hear this on Friday. Great. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, Darcy. Uh, I'm glad you were <laughs> able to overcome the uh, the power outage and other obstacles uh, to get on here with us. <laughs> I feel like the upside down was trying to communicate to me or something. <laughs> you know, it just took out a whole block. <laughs> So yes, thank you so much. Uh, I'm really excited to listen to your development mode sessions. Um, that makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah, they're they're on there somewhere. I, I forget when. <laughs> we should probably make a, a, a create a page or something that just lists which episodes the development mode appears in. Yeah, mm. it's it's like every other episode. It, it seems like so. But okay, perfect. Thank you again, Darcy. It was great having you on. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time with me, fellas. Thank you for joining us, and, and I will try to get this out so you can add whatever little boost we can to the last 48 hours of your uh, Kickstarter campaign. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm, I'm totally thrilled and can't wait for this to, to become a reality, cool. become an actuality. <laughs> oh, yes, I suppose. Oh, wait, I thought you didn't do puns. Oh, well, I mean, hanging out with you fools. I mean, we can, we can cut it <laughs> just so that Troy doesn't hear it. We could. <laughs> I had blackmail. Oh. <laughs> Puns are exclusively for the Indigo Sun. <laughs> it's true. Because they are a higher form of oh. truth. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, I don't want to talk anymore. Oh, lovely. <laughs> oh, that sounds like the rap. <laughs> this ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is currently available for pre-order at InvisibleSunRPG.com. For a limited time, you'll receive an additional Sooth deck when you pre-order the game. You can find our blog at IncantationsPodcast.blogspot.com or email us at IncantationsPodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Egonseer. A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. 
And you can find me at Tex underscore red on Twitter. Do us a favor. Leave us a rating uh, and a review on iTunes. Uh, it really helps people find out about our show. Another great way is to just uh, tell a friend. Uh, tell a friend about Incantations. Tell them about Invisible Sun. And that would really help us out a lot. <laughs>